Well, good morning, everyone. And we welcome you to our Bible study class this very cold Saturday morning in Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America, Plainfield Christian Science Church, where we are recording from. And we're starting a great new, exciting adventure, studying the book of Revelation. Our church did this once many years ago with Mr. Evans teaching it from the Tomlinson book. And we've, we have had a few Bible studies on it uh, more recently, but this will be something very interesting and exciting. And I know we're all very, very grateful to Tom for all the research he's done and presenting it to us. So thank you all for coming today. And Tom, thank you. And it's all yours. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, we'll start out with a quote. Heaven represents harmony, and divine science interprets the principle of heavenly harmony. The great miracle to human sense is divine love, and the grand necessity of existence is to gain the true idea of what constitutes the kingdom of heaven in man. So that's from Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy, page 560, lines 10 to 15. Okay, who would like to comment on that? Well, we all better wake up. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the easiest question of all of these, I think. Oh, well, all, we, all we have to do is think about what chapter this comes from in Science and Health. And uh, just think about this, that uh, uh, this kind of encapsulates what the book of Revelation is all about. Telling us that heaven represents harmony. And what is the grand necessity of existence? I think this is very succinct. Um, I really like what she wrote. That's why I put it there as a quote. But the thing about that, heaven represents harmony. And what is our grand necessity of existence? To gain it. Thank you. Yes, this is a very important quote. And it, it does. It, it wraps up all of Revelation, really, which is why we are studying it. The grand necessity of our existence. What 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 is the point of our being here in the first place? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this is all what it's all about. Otherwise, what are we doing? Thank you. To, yeah, to see that we understand that we exist in the kingdom of heaven now, and always have, and that no matter what is going on with us at the moment. We're, we've never left the kingdom of heaven. That's that's where we dwell, and that's um, definitely important for us to understand, and I'm grateful for this. Well, yeah, and if we're not striving to gain the true idea of what that is, I mean, it's one thing to say it, but if we're not striving to gain the true idea of what that is, we're wasting our time. And until we understand it, we really can't uh, accomplish it. Yeah, we can't stop Thank striving. You, yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We must have that understanding. 
it's, it comes with the living it, right? Living the truth that we're learning. It helps us to understand that that's where we're at. So we begin always from there, that perfection, that harmony in time. Yeah. Some of heaven is within man, he, uh, our textbook says and the Bible says. Yeah, and the understanding comes day by day, doesn't it? Yes. It doesn't all of a sudden just happen. Mrs. Eddie says, In infinity does that. So we're on, we're on this road for a long time, and we might as well get used to being on it and make the best of it. And have, the Bible promises that all things are found in the king. That they would first, you know, look for. I mean, search for the kingdom of heaven. Understand that, and all things are found. Everything is found in the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. All these things shall be added unto you. <clears throat> and Jesus said, "Search the scriptures." Or in these, I think you find eternal life or yeah, something exactly. like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's not like we have to go anywhere else to look for it. It's being revealed to us and we are discovering it. Or we are acknowledging it, realizing it. As right. we live, do our best to live it day by day. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it says the great miracle to human sense is divine love. And uh, what I got from this is we should stand in awe of the fact that God does send his love. He always is. And it's something to stand in awe of and grateful appreciation of and be receptive to it. Oh, thank you for that. I, you know, I think that uh, the other aspect of this quote is just what you read. The great miracle to human sense is divine love. Because uh, I think revelation is what tells us about the comforter. So we know that, uh, you know, um, if we feel lonely or miserable or, or sad or whatever, right, uh, um, that's not true, right? And we have this great miracle, divine love, that comforts us and takes care of us. Thank you. So true. It's beautiful. Well, one thing about divine love is, uh, I say, is as we recognize it, we can then become more like it because the gratitude is a process that really lifts recognizing and lifts us to a higher point. Right, and we can only reflect what we feel in our hearts. And until we feel the divine love in our heart, we're not going to be able to reflect it very well in our lives. But that's why we have to get over the human sense of things and feel God's love. That's why it helps to 
helps to read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Craig says, you know, if it's a process, the important part is to be in the process because the human mind is, is lazy and doesn't want to do anything. But it's important that we, we get on this. Um, well, Craig used the word process, but after all, we're alive. That means we're active. God gives us activity. Be ashamed to ignore our Heavenly Father and just sit there and do nothing. And, you know, this is an endless process. It's life. It's ongoing. Yeah, and I, I do love that thought, you know, this idea of bringing heaven on earth. We should be doing that and expressing in our in our own lives and then knowing what's true for us. It's true for everyone, everywhere, every heart. It's very important. There's no way else we'll bring in the millennium but to understand this. And it's such an important part of our teachings, teachings of Mrs. Eddy in her chapter on Revelation and Science and Health, the Apocalypse. So thank you. That's a beautiful quote, Tom, and very perfect for this Bible study. I also think it's kind of a guide that can help us, uh, just something to think about as we go through our study of the book of Revelation. Um, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll get more into this, uh, you know, maybe in future Bible studies, but the significance of Reverend Irving Tomlinson, quite an amazing person. Um, if I may, uh, you know, this is a quote from his book. He says, uh, the discovery of Christian science signalized the arrival of the Comforter, Comforter as promised by Jesus, according to John. Um, he writes a lot more than that, but um, um, Irving Thomason seems like a very special person. Yes, I think so. And he was the one that wrote that 12 Years with Mary Baker Eddy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a beautiful biography. Yeah, a lot of really. That's where that quote comes from, by the way. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, out of all out of all the interpretations, it was the Tomlinson one that Mr. Evans decided to teach from, and so I'm, it's a very inspired book. Yeah, and I don't think that um, it's uh, widely published. I don't think the Christian Science Church ever published it. Um, I find it very puzzling in a way. I didn't know about it till I came to Plainfield Church. Never heard of it. Hmm. Yeah. Different with the 12 years of, with Mary Baker Eddy. I think that's on the bookshelf of every Christian science in the world. Seems like it when I was growing up. <clears throat> Although I don't know how much they read it, but they all yeah. had a copy. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, our Bible topic today is Revelation is a Book of Blessings. So, um, I was just, um, and then Thomason brings this out, um, you know, I was just amazed at how much, uh, as I was reading through the Book of Revelation, uh, how much it talks about us being blessed. I mean, some people use the word Beatitudes, and that's 
good too. If you want to say beatitudes, beatitudes are blessings. Um, but I think it's a good frame of mind to think about as we study the Book of Revelation that um, it's a blessing to us. Um, so uh, our first question uh, is to discuss the blessing found in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. Well, I, I was reading in uh, addresses by Martha Wilcox on page 260. She writes, quote, And if we want to truly estimate the rich heritage that is bequeathed to the individual who overcometh, we should read and ponder what is written by St. John to the seven churches throughout Asia. No one can understand what is written to these churches and not feel that it is worthwhile to make the effort to be obedient and thereby overcome the material concept of the world. The reward offered to the seven churches is climaxed in the first one, namely, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And then, end quote. And then, overcome is victorious, surmount, conquer, vanquish. And um, So, she very thought very highly of these letters to the seven churches that we were about to discuss, and this was from her article, Overcoming by Obedience. And then Mrs. Eddy, in a message for 1900, which also has about the seven churches, she says, learn to obey, but learn first what obedience is. And I feel that that is somewhat of what we're going to be discussing here, is what we need to be doing Thank you. Um, what I, I got out of that with the sense of blessing is that we are blessed when we bless others. And I got that from first uh, reading through verses 1 and 2, which lead into and help to explain that blessing in verse 3. And my paraphrase of those two verses would have been, the revelation was given by God Additionally, to Jesus for the purpose of sharing and showing to his servants God's omnipresence. In turn, Jesus shared and inspired John, who in turn shared with others by preaching God's truth. So it seemed to me that we are given or understand revelation if or in proportion as we're found worthy or ready to receive it by just having the motive or commitment or intent to bless others and not just to idly self-indulge in pretty truths and bless and heal oneself, not just hoarding truths to ourselves, but being willing to serve and heal and reach out to include all mankind in truth. So revelation is to be an applied science. That's so important. Thank you. Yeah, we can't we, we can't benefit from the science selfishly, can we? No, it's not for ourselves. Well, the life lessons in these letters to the churches 
and the the uh, you know the description of the coming of the Comforter. I mean, th- these are like the most valuable life lessons anybody could ever learn. And you know, if you if you read them, strive to learn them. You can't help but be blessed. I mean, what could be greater instruction? Right? Yeah. And I think the blessing is the the comfort we feel um, from knowing the truth that Jesus gave right there. Somebody this week, uh, last weekend, said how much they are appreciating the fact that Christian science is the comforter. You know, I'm sure they're feeling something from learning and living it, living the truth, turning to it when things come up. And so they were feeling it and voiced it that way. Well, it's interesting to me, you know, Mrs. Eddie, she speaks of the Sermon on the Mount, the 91st Psalm, and Revelation. So this chapter is hugely important, um, or this book, I should say, and, and she, she did. She, to me, what she wrote is perhaps the greatest what's ever been written about Revelation is what she wrote in Science and Health about it. But to consider the, the great importance she put on it, which is why I felt it's so important that we need to dig into it and really understand it more deeply. And that was one thing Tom said, because you know, he worked quite some time preparing this. And he said, any, any exposure to it will be a blessing. And if we keep in mind the blessings of it, um, Matthew Henry says about it being the blessing, blessing number one, those are well employed who search the Bible true isn't it it is not enough we read and hear but we must keep the things that are written in our memories in our minds in our affections and in practice and we shall be blessed in the deed even the mysteries and difficulties of this book are united with discoveries of God suited to impress the mind with awe and to purify the soul of their reader though he may not discern the prophetic meaning. <clears throat> no part of this of Scripture more fitly states the gospel and warns against the evil of sin. So, tremendous, tremendous book, and I do like the way we're approaching it with blessing, each, each week a blessing. <laughs> That's great. Keeps it on the up and up. <laughs> Well, and when you think about the the um, you know the the time series of the New Testament, you know Jesus is born. He he shows tremendous spiritual promise. He and through his obedience to God, he fulfills that promise. He gives us the Sermon on the Mount. He gives us tremendous lessons. And then, and then he's crucified, and he's resurrected, and he ascends. He, he conquers all material belief. He ascends 
And after his ascension, he gives this to John. This is his final, ultimate, top-of-the-top instruction. It doesn't get any better than this. It's beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, I read it was interesting because they sent John to Patmos to shut him up. (laughs) Shut this guy up. Well, look what he did. Gave him the quiet he needed. (laughs) (laughs) The one beautiful thing is that when he gave the revelation, uh, he promised, in many cases, a victory, which is in itself a blessing. The promised victory is a blessing because someone who holds that can't be defeated. They know the result before it occurs. And it's such a strength. There's no way for the enemy to wedge in and discourage and weaken its uh, opponent. So he's done such great for great things for us by, by giving us it's the promised victory even before it happens. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And I were reading this morning that the word uh, Patmos, from, this came from Dorley, um, met, meant mortal. So um, I just thought it remarkable that in the sense of that very mortal area, out came, despite it all, came this revelation. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. John had no respect for mortal things. <laughs> exactly right. No, and I had read this about. Um, this was in a commentary. When to think of John's, when to think about John's spectacular vision, we should remember where John was imprisoned on Patmos. Jesus is often known the most in the midst of suffering and trials. Both John and Stephen saw Jesus most clearly and gloriously in the text of suffering for the cause of Jesus. So, and then this is a quote that the wrath of the wicked does but bring the saints the nearer to the choice favors of God. So it's, it's comforting to know whatever the worst experience you can be having is when you can become the closest to God, to the Father. If you apply that and reach out to him, it's a it's a wonderful thought, no matter what we go through. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. But we need to prove it and not just, oh, gosh, this is awful, cold punk. <laughs> and, and Mrs. Eddie has something to say about that. She says trials are proofs of God's care. Yeah, this island, I mean, I guess it was stone for its marble, and, and people that were sent there had to, um, what, Work mine, the marble, mine, the yeah, and they said they they thought they even made John do that, even though he was well on in years. I mean, they were trying to give him guy a hard time, the Romans, but he rose to such victory. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what extreme conditions. We must always remember this when we seem to be going through a difficult trial. The other can, thing that's so awesome about it. Not only did he write this down, but somehow they got it off of the island of Patmos to the others that could read it. It, it is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. 
try to limit the Word of God? I don't think so. <laughs> and of course, we know what they did try to do to Jesus, <laughs> and it, it, it only made things all the more wonderful. Mm-hmm. So whatever they try to do to you, they, quote, unquote, it should only make everything much more wonderful. You should rise higher than before, stronger than before, stronger than before the fall. You rise up mightily. You don't just lie down and take it when that voice starts. You rise up and get out of it. And John had survived the boiling oil before this. Too. <laughs> sure Think did. about it. No yeah. matter what they put him through, yeah, it couldn't stop the mighty power of Almighty God. Yes, they were never made to forget or to neglect their duty to God, to their leader, to mankind, the ones who accomplish much. As Mr. Seti says, your enemies will advertise for you or something to that effect. Thank you, yes. <laughs> so, and, but this is the living of it. It's not just the reading. It's actually rousing up out of a sick bed or out of whatever else it's trying to tell you and to defeat it as an illusion that would try to limit your work for God or shut your testimony up. And if you won't have it done to you, it will not be done to you because you have all the power of God to meet it with. This all goes back to the purpose for living. Each of us have a purpose, and wouldn't error like to throw something at you to take you off from fulfilling your purpose? It would. And, you know, God's hand is on this all along. It's so clear that it's part of the plan. Because you remember back in the book of John, Peter asked, what about this guy? And Jesus says, what is it to you if he tarries until I come? John tarried until even long after all of the others were gone. He had a divinely appointed purpose, and it's pretty clear as to what it was here. But, you know, he couldn't be held back from fulfilling his purpose. What a mission for us. You know, Mary just mentioned the daily duty, but alertness to duty. You know, let's be alert to what our duty is here. Yes. Wasn't an easy path for him either. No. It says that on, that on page 116 that the threat of death daily confronting him on Patmos and all the other stuff he went through. So you feel that things should get easier and easier as time goes on. It's probably not the case. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. But God with us is, is the way to go through it all, right? Always remembering God with us. Yes. Right. right. So um, I, I just wanted to state the obvious, which I know we're all thinking or we've talked about in different ways, but looking at this first blessing, blessed is he that readeth, readeth and, and so forth, you know, to hear the words of this prophecy. So I think there's a tendency to um, avoid reading the book of Revelation. And this is telling us uh, right up front, first chapter, that uh, we should be reading it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes. And I read some Bible commentary, and I was fascinated with this 
the, the commentators, more than one said this, um, and the commentation I found up on Bible Up, so got Matthew and Henry and, and, and a bunch of others really good. But uh, it said that um, uh, this, this uh, blessing here was tell, telling people that uh, Revelation should be, be read both publicly and privately. So one way we could think about our Bible study is that privately, well, that's our preparation for the Bible study, because that's just what we do with ourselves as we read it. And then when we have our Bible study, we're reading it publicly for the world. Thank you. Very true. And this is going out on the wavelengths everywhere, whether people are listening or not. It's a blessing, of the truth going out. And the I word love. apocalypse has such a, um, for a lot of people, has such a dour, you know, dread. <laughs> the apocalypse is happening. It's such a, it brings a lot of images of awfulness. But really, it's, it's when I was reading here, it, it really is a, instead of that, it really is a blessing. It's not a dour future that that is going to bring us all to some awful end. It really is a <clears throat> the word is really a blessing. It's a revealing of the good that is ours now and to come. And it just started, that whole word sort of just really changed for me in this. Um, so that's one thing we can share if we have any opportunity to share <clears throat> when anybody brings up, which they don't. But, you know, the whole term just doesn't have what it, it it's a blessing. It's not this curse. Thank Interesting you. how the human mind perverts <laughs> definitions of words to suit yeah. itself, doesn't yeah. it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's important because that air would like you to think that and not want you to study it. And I heard during a few weeks, you know, people, oh, they don't know if they can study it, they don't understand it, it's too much for them. But, well, then, so then they don't even try. Well, what good are you? <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is, again, are we just going to, you know, think about it? Are we going to accept the challenge and dig into it and not be put off or put down by false suggestions? And revelation, yes, as Karen was saying, a revealing or an unveiling. Now, however, the word apocrypha means, okay. what is it? What does that mean? No, apocrypha. It's something hidden, and that's the difference. Oh, that's what they call the books of the Bible that they removed, Jeremy just said. I knew I heard it in other... Yes. Oh. Well, they hid them from... They hid yeah. them. <laughs> the apocrypha, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Hidden. Hidden. Yeah. Well, we don't like hidden. Anybody that wants to hide anything, don't tell me. Oh, I'm serious. We don't hide <laughs> things. We get it out. Hiding is not good. Well, another word for hidden is occult. Thank you. Right. Yes, occult. Something. This is one reason the Thomason book is just absolutely wonderful, because he calls it an open book. Yes. It's, this is not a hidden book. This is an open book. Just to have an open mind and study it and read it, and um, when you don't understand something, you've got Thomason to refer to. And we have Edith Hoyt to refer to, and Kratzer, and we have 
Bible study and your friends and so forth, right, to, to understand this. And, um, yeah, so thanks for this discussion. I'm really, uh, uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on how to study for Revelation, but we should talk about this for a couple minutes because, um, you know, for myself, I speak for myself, but it's not a book that um, I really wanted to read, and if I read it, I didn't even know what to do with what I was reading. No? Um, So... It's kind of good to talk for a couple of minutes to think about um, how, how do we study the book of Revelation, um, since we'll be doing this for quite some time. Yeah, and I think you just answered your question, your introduction to this. Read it with an open mind. Yeah. Expect to get something from it. Expect it to be opened to you. And we do have, you know, Tomlinson and... Kratzer and Mrs. Eddie, of course, uh, have already written things to help us. I mean, and in, in your notes for the study of the Book of Revelation, you wrote about a lot of different ways to to study it, and people do through symbols, imagery, numerology. We just have to be careful on, on those that they don't just become an intellectual study that you can't apply. Uh, see, when something is intellectual, it means, oh, it's interesting. You know, you read all the numbers and this and that, and it might be interesting. But the question always is, does it help you become a better person? Does it help you become a healer? Did, ha- have you truly increased in your understanding of God and Christ and science and health. Does it help you love your neighbor better? Yes. Does it help you love your neighbor better? And if it has done none of those things, it can be interesting. And maybe on a cold winter night, you want to sit and just read stuff like that. But it's intellectual, and it's not really helping you become a better person. I hope you can understand what I'm saying. Because this is the defining point. And it's true about everything we do, your testimonies, what you write. Is it healing? Does, will it help someone? Or is it just some bunch of words and, and knowledge, human knowledge put together? In Messages of 1900, Mrs. Eddie writes, quote, The secret of Christian science in right thinking and right and acting is open to mankind. So it's open to everybody. Thank you. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And I love she refers to John's writings as bursting paraphrases projected from divinity upon humanity. And that she says that his symbolic ethics bravely rebuke lawlessness and his types of purity pierce corruption beyond the power of the pen. So there's a lot in this for us, for right thinking and acting. Essential is the honest heart, I'm sure. Like we said, is willing to read and understand. I like the um, the verse three where it says, "Blessed is he that readeth, 
and uh, they that hear the words and keep those things. And it made me think of reading as taking it in and hearing as listening to the words, not just hear, oh yeah, I heard them say such and such, but to actually listen for what it means and then to keep those things that are written therein. And sometimes it takes a while to understand in order to keep those things, but that's okay. I like what Tom had written about, it doesn't matter if you don't understand it all at one time, it just keep at it and and uh, work with it and learn. And I appreciated that in, in Tom's notes. <laughs> yeah, as did I, as did probably all of us. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> well, and, and where do we keep them if we keep them? In our heart. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you, you read and you love these things and you want to know what they mean to you. Because, you know, Jesus is giving a message to every individual in the world through John here. It's not just the churches. And if we... If we read them with an open heart, we we do keep them, whether we remember them every minute of every day or but you can't lose it if it's in your heart. Thank you. And that that's so good that it's not just the churches, it's every single person. Um <clears throat> otherwise people don't feel they relate to it if they're not interested in church. In the Kratzer book, I thought it's interesting because he says the seven churches of Asia symbolize the seven chief, chief faculties of the human mind. And I, I love that. He's telling, you know, listing all the things that'll get you <laughs> and, and the antidote when we get into the seven churches, um, what each one represents. And these are individual to us. It is true. They certainly attack churches or would try to, do things to a church, but it's the body of the church and us individually. And whether we go to church or not, these this is these are important teachings. Thank you. Oh, good. So maybe we should move on to question three. Bruce. Wait, Bruce has been trying to speak. So, <laughs> oh, go ahead, please, Bruce. Going back to that verse three, the whole idea of keeping them. I don't know about you guys, but from my experience. I couldn't really keep something unless I actually did something with it. In other words, if I didn't put it into what works, it's, it's really quick to go in one year and out the other. And uh, I can't keep it in my heart unless I actually work with it and do something. Thank you. It's the only so, way. Only way. And that's when people forget things. It's because they haven't used. If you use the truth, you won't forget. You won't forget it. You won't forget the words. They'll, they'll remain in you. They'll be part of you. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. What? Okay, Tom. <laughs> okay. Um, so on uh, question number three, uh, we're starting out with the beginning of the book of Revelation, uh, which we effectively did only discuss the blessing. But uh, this is in chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. Thomason writes about it on pages 116 to 123. So, and uh, the question is, what does John hear and see? 
<clears throat> Don't everyone shout at once. We saw yeah. seven golden candlesticks. Well, he's he's in the spirit, and he hears he hears the he hears the voice as though he would hear a real a person. He sees the seven. The voice tells him, I am Alpha and Omega. What thou seest, write in a book, send it to the seven churches. One of the commentaries I read talked about being washing us from our sins. And um, it, it likened, you know, if you had a, a pair of jeans you really loved, Maybe they were very soiled, but you would keep washing and washing until they were back to normal rather than toss them out and get a new pair, right? <laughs> so he was just bringing out how much God loves us that we he's washing. <laughs> he's washing us. He doesn't <laughs> want to toss us out. He wants to keep us going. He's not interested in tossing us out for something new. <laughs> he wants to keep you going. Appreciate that about, about our dear Lord. <laughs> he's... Washing you up so you can get back to do what you need to do in his service. He says that he hears the uh, the voice as if it was a trumpet. Oh, yes. So it was clear and loud and he couldn't mistake the voice. And also that he was to write in a book and send it to the church what he was hearing and seeing was to be written down. He was told to write it down. And, and what he was to do with it was to send to the churches. But I just love that as a trumpet because in my watches, um, I often use the, or think of the, the truth that I am knowing that it's, it is, can be heard like a trumpet. It can be no matter how far away, you know, that, um, it, it can be like a trumpet. You know, Mrs. Eddie talked about how she was sending prayers to Africa, knowing that they do hear my prayers. So just like that was. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, that's so wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, we should all think about that. That's, you articulated that so well about the trumpet. In that, in the beautiful readings Amanda did on Wednesday, it talked about the angels. The angels will come and they will do, do your errands or something. I found that so interesting. So I looked up the word errand. I mean, usually you think it means you're going to the dry cleaners or something like that. But but it says that it will deliver your messages. So yeah, I, it's wonderful. And that thank you so much, Karen. That was beautiful. Yes. The clarity of a trumpet, you cannot miss that sound. I mean, even if you were sound asleep, it would wake you up, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
So the messages, the mes messages go forth with loud clarity to the far ends of the earth. Yeah. Again, that's Mrs. Eddy in Science and Health. The remotest corner. You know, I, I think you could write an interesting article on, on the trumpet and uh, the meaning that you got out of it and kind of, to me, the relevance to uh, what we should get out of studying the book of Revelation. I think that'd be wonderful. Yeah, thank you, Karen. That'll be... We look forward to that. <laughs> We're so grateful you found it. So I hope you continue contributing, right? I don't want you to think that every time you say something, someone's going to ask you to write an article. But um, it was beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Again, it's not me talking. It's like... <laughs> you know, that, that's the beauty of it. I, you know, that we're all learning that use me, God, you know, take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. So <laughs> that's what it's all about. Well, and isn't it encouraging that, you know, God is speaking to each one of us all the time. The question yeah. is, how well do we hear? Here's John in the spirit, in, in a in a holy, holy place and time, and hearing God like a trumpet. How you know? Do, do we ever hear God that well? We should. We can. Yeah. If we are in the spirit, this you know it brings up on page. Um, it, this this passage just came to me now, and I don't know if it's really relevant here. But on page three twenty eight in in this in miscellaneous writings in the allegory, um, uh, it says, "Make thine own way, and if thou strayest, listen for the mountain horn." And it will call thee back to the path that goeth upward. And I just, I don't know, I just love that. And that came to me after I said the trumpet, I thought, the mountain horn. Make thine own way. And if thou strayest, listen for the mountain horn. And it will call thee back to the path that goeth upward. Sounds like a trumpet to me. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so comforting to know that you will be called back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's a wonderful chapter mm. in miscellaneous writings. That's mm -hmm. divine love. Divine love calling us back. And, you know, I think the shepherds, <clears throat> they used to have some kind of a horn yeah. that they would use when their sheep would stray. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bring them back. Sound that can't be missed. Sound that cannot be missed, yes. Thank you. You have to really have your ears covered and be saying, not listening. <laughs> In order to hear one voice, I hear one sound only. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will hear no well, other. I will mm -hmm. hear no other call. 
And Gary said on Wednesday night, um, and I and I know maybe some people took it as we, we don't listen to music, we don't watch any television, but but it was so important to hear that, you know, and and it's happened to me since I've come to this church. I, and I was a big music listener. Oh man, I I can't anymore. I just want it quiet to listen. I want to make sure I'm not missing something that God is, I want to hear God's voice and I don't want it filled with a lot of other noise. And so as much as I love to listen to music, that just completely dropped away. I didn't even have to force myself. My desire to hear God's voice was more important than anything else. Um, that's wonderful. These these things naturally drop off, drop away. And and it's you know when you see all these people with their earbuds, I guess they're called, or other things, just having to have constant noise all the time. Um, this is refreshing to to be quiet and to listen. You are blocking out the voice of God. This is you think you cherished so much back then, they all fall away. Yep. You do. This was something that Spurgeon wrote on this. He said, to recognize the glory of Jesus is to come out and out from him. And some of you are very much like a mouse behind the wainscot. You are in the Lord's house, but you are not known as one of the family. Sometimes you give a little squeak in your hiding place. <laughs> and sometimes you come out at night, as the mouse does, to pick up a crumb or two without being seen. Is this worthy of yourself? Is it worthy of your Lord and Master? Spurgeon. Well, it requires a certain amount of courage to be out in the open and up front about your faith in God and your desire to live correctly. Okay, great. So um, I think we'll get into what I think... Uh, uh, perhaps as a highlight of uh, discussing the book of Revelation, but we'll get start getting into the letters to the church. <clears throat> so question number four is, what is the lesson of the letter to the church of Ephesus? So this is the Revelation chapter 2, 1 to 7, and it's also on Thomas and pages 130 to 131. Hmm. Well, he said to Ephesus, you lost your first love. And the interesting thing about Ephesus was it was a very busy place of commerce and whatever. And outwardly, it may have appeared that people were really successful. And they had that big temple there. I've even forgotten what the name of it was, but that was like in everybody's sight every time they turned around. So with all of that go on, how much do you remember our God? and that all good things come from him. 
and that our life is to be lived for his service if you have all these other distractions in your face all the time. So, you know, we mentioned the, the alertness to duty to make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're defended against aggressive mental suggestion. We don't forget or neglect these duties. What's the difference between duty and love? I mean, in my view, I think there is none. And here it said they lost their first love. And I think we should take the same way to what we call the duty. Don't lose our love for our leader, our mankind, our God. And don't let these other worldly distractions weigh more heavily than our love for these things that are most important. Thank you. This is my speech. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the first love and first commandment, don't they go together? As if they lost their first commandment, and as Bruce was saying, they, things got clouded them up and they started forgetting God. So, this is what he says, don't ever forget the first commandment. Yeah, and also it, it it refers to when 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 divine love provides for you very well, and you become healthy. You may even become wealthy, but you become you have a better life than you did before. The temptation is to worship the effect yeah. and forget the cause to be enamored of your health or to be enamored of your wealth and to think, well, maybe that's the objective of all of this. If you, if you, yeah, if you succumb to that temptation, you have lost your first love. You have lost everything. Hey, Florence. That reminds me of the prodigal son. That's a perfect example of that. Oh no! I was just saying uh, what Gary was saying. You know, you you think you did it. This happened instead of knowing where it came from, all the good where it came it came from. Well, remember what it was like when you first came into the science and how you felt. How exciting and energizing you felt. And um, you, you've got to keep those, those flames. And there's a watching point about that where you don't let the flames grow low. Your love for God and man. You keep those flames burning brightly remembering how you first felt with all that excitement and um, I think it's the beginning of miscellany where Mrs. Eddy quotes Kipling about lest we forget, lest we forget. It, it's important and I, I do it every once in a while to remember what it was once like before I had the science or before I understood it I, and how depressing life was appeared to be until until you find it and 
how exciting and wonderful it is. We must never lose that passion, excitement, not let it grow dim or cold. And you see it happen. And sometimes, you know, people will wonder what happened to certain people in our church. A lot of times, I don't know. You know, they just, that this is what happens. They drift away somehow. It does seem to be an initial wave that you come in on. And if you don't learn how to keep that going yourself, then it's Thank you. any good. Yeah. And I heard something not long ago that there's a difference between interest and commitment. Uh, <laughs> and if you, you don't, if you mm-hmm. are able to translate your interest into commitment, then you're not going to be long here, I don't think. So. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you can liken it to, you know, your, your first love in life, <laughs> how exciting that can be. And then, you know, if you don't, if you don't keep it actively alive, it, it can grow cold. Or, yes, you can have an interest in a person, but, oops, they want to marry you. Nope, not interested in a commitment. (laughs) 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 If you really love, you will make the commitment. And it's to God, not to person. It's the covenant to God you make. And you won't break it. And sometimes you got to shake yourself to keep it going. But it's far far better going back. So that the faith will be with works, I said. Yes. Right. Mary, sometimes I think those that are blessed who've gone from hopelessness to, to hopeful to healing versus those that have just gone from hope to healing, um, and they, they have a harder time to make as much of their love for Christian science. Yeah. I, so I they think, have to, too. Sorry, go on. I'm sorry. No, I'm done. I'm done. I, I think, too, thinking about how my coming back, um, when I, I, I didn't feel, with all the good, humanly good things that were going on. I, I didn't feel safe. Suddenly I just had a, a, a sense of, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel safe. And, and I, but to me, when I, and I think about it quite a bit, you know, just what did bring me back so abruptly? I, I, I there was no, you know, I guess some people think there is an alternative. There's another way. I ha- I knew there wasn't, there's nothing else to do. What else was I going to go to? I, I guess that's where I, I had to come back because I didn't, there wasn't even another alternative. And I think, I guess if one thinks that there is possibly something else to answer, you know, to get me out of this problem or to even, um, I wasn't even having this as well, but there, there just wasn't another way to, to live. I suddenly realized I had to come back. Um, and I guess that's, um, and once you find that, you cannot leave. No matter what you're going through, if you know there's nothing else, you've got to stay with it. And and um, so that was my experience. There's just nothing else to go to. And that is your safety. Yes. Knowing yeah. that. 
like doesn't have purpose without God. Right. Well, and it was when Jesus asked his disciples after so many students were turning from Jesus and leaving, Jesus turned to his disciples and asked, will you leave me also? Uh-huh. And their answer was, uh, where else do we going to go? <laughs> because you have yeah. the eternal life. Well, Mrs. Eddy said where students had failed is because they never learned to handle animal magnetism. What was the cause somebody to lose their first love? Unless their defenses were down and they weren't in the warfare against the Antichrist, we need to handle animal magnetism. If we found something so wonderful and good and we love it, what would the devil like to do? He would like to take it away from you. So we need to be alert to defend against aggressive mental suggestion. And if we are, that first love will not leave us. Let's handle animal magnetism. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's it. Five science and health. Yes. And, you know, Mrs. Betty said, too, when she saw a student grateful, what? She was safe. And that's how it works. And that's how I see when people drift off. They begin to become ungrateful for some reason or another. They're not grateful anymore. And there it go. There they go. So that's why Wednesday nights we come ready to give and, and work on ourselves each week to keep that gratitude level high. This is handling the animal magnetism Bruce just talked about. But when we don't, it's ship ahoy, maiden, and off you go. <laughs> so. um, one of the things I wanted to say about the letters in general, um, just uh, a way of looking at them, and uh, I, I think uh, there's kind of a, a structure in how these are written. So in this letter to the Church of Ephesus, I mean, sometimes when you look at it, they say, oh, well, maybe it's talking about some far-off church way back when or whatever. But in a way, these are kind of like instructions to us personally. And it's kind of interesting how he goes through this because he tells us, how great we are. So it starts out here, it says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And it goes on saying about good things. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then after it says good things about you, if you want to look at it that way, right? Then it says, nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, I have someone against thee, right? Is pointing out something that needs uh, your attention. So if you look through these letters, you know, and you say, oh, okay, start saying some good things about me. But then, by the way, here's something I want you to look at. Wonderful. I like Thank how he also um, ends with the commendation again of, and you hate the Nicolaitans. And we were learning in an earlier Bible study on how uh, that word breaks down into a victory over the people. 
and there was the separation then um, that they didn't follow along with the, that was going on with the separation of uh, clergy uh, from the people. In fact, the early use of the word um, laity was used uh, by the clergy uh, like they despised the laity. It wasn't a, a positive word at all. So it teaches us humility and to stay clear of pride of the priesthood. And Mrs. Eddy tells us that the only priest is the spiritualized man. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who else? Because we're come to our hour's end. So anyone who has anything to say who didn't get a chance? Well, just to comment on Tom's, the, the, the structure of this. Yeah, each letter starts out with the truth about the church, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The what good. Is- but it's good. Hold thought steadfastly to the enduring, the good, and the true. However... so we've got things we need to watch but but it's because the potential is so great because we are God's reflection isn't that what a good parent does I mean you you encourage but then you point out what's wrong also absolutely that's what a good parent does what a good teacher does what a good church does. Yes. Good practitioner does. And the, the really the, the whole of the conclusion of the rest of Revelation is for restoration of man. So if we think that way it's really to our benefit know what's being said in there. Yes. Yep. And all will be blessed by it. Yes, everyone. Well, good beginning, Tom. Yeah, yeah wonderful. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. So, so we will uh, continue next Bible study. We'll just keep marching forward. So, of course, we'll go to the next letter at the Church of Smyrna and, and so forth. Um, and then as we study and prepare for this and go through our Bible study, uh, uh, I know everybody will be blessed for that, and uh, we'll be sending out blessings uh, to people all over the world. Yes. Wonderful. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you. 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 Thank you.